Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock, y'all. It's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, each day we go through the Word of God verse by verse, Monday to Friday, 10 o'clock. Um, some of you are with me live. A lot of you are with me live. I love that. Some of you join me later. Most of you join me later. That's okay, too. Uh, however you choose to be in God's Word with me, uh, I just think it's uh, it's just really special that we get to do it together. Uh, we're in the book of Job right now, chapters 15 and 16 today. We're doing two chapter uh, takes at it uh, at, at a time. Uh, is that working out for you? I, I, it seems about right to me. Uh, it lets us get a little bit of the back and forth and kind of keeps this middle section uh, in the in the way that it comes to us as dialogue. It's Job talking back and forth with his friends and then addressing God. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, and anyway, I've never really studied it this closely, to be honest. I went through seminary, and actually in seminary, you dig into the first couple of chapters, you dig into the last couple of chapters, you just sort of whoo, sweep through the middle because the assumption is they just keep saying the same thing over and over and over. There's some truth to that. There's also some ways in which that's not true if you stop and read it, which we're doing, and I'm learning, and I hope you're learning too. I, th I think it's good. Uh, chapter 15 begins what, what we would call the second cycle. Yeah, you know, like a cycle is, is like something that repeats. It's like uh, your washing machine, you know, it has this, you know, cycle where it, you know, sort of, you know, washes, rinses, and then repeats, <laughs> you know, does the same thing again. This starts the second cycle. There are three friends, Eliphaz, uh, Bildad, and Zophar, right? It sounds wrong when I say it, uh, but I think uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And so each of them spoke, Job responded to each of them, and then now they're all going to talk again. We start a second cycle. So Eliphaz, uh, who's the first one to speak, now he speaks again. Uh, he says pretty much the same thing, <laughs> only if it's possible, he says it with less compassion this time, you know, a little less gentleness. I mean, I don't know, how is that possible? But oh, it's possible, y'all. He gets downright nasty here, uh, uh, but let's jump in. Uh, because it's really interesting. It really, really is. Uh, Eliphaz began sort of uh, in, in this first section, uh, kind of mocking Job's wise words. A wise man wouldn't answer with such empty talk. You're nothing but a windbag. Uh, you're going to catch on really quickly that this is the insult they keep trading back and forth. Every time Job answers one of them or they talk back, they'll say, I, you big windbag, you know, a lot of hot air, you know. It's the, the idea is that you're not saying anything. It, it's, it's all empty. You're just blowing air. Your words don't amount to anything. The wise don't engage in such empty chatter, he says. What good are such words? Have you no fear of God? No reverence for him? Your sins are telling your mouth what to say. That's verse 5. Your sins are telling your mouth what to say. Uh, your own mouth condemns you, not I. Your own lips testify against you. Yeah, whoo. Um, if you're following what they're saying, Eliphaz here is using part of what Job said earlier and then turning Job's own words against him. Uh, I mean, these guys are brutal now in their uh, attempted takedown uh, of Job. But it's this idea that you, know, you, you act like you're speaking wisdom. You, you, you have no wisdom. Uh, uh, verses 7 to 10 in chapter 15, he really begins to challenge Job's uh, own, own standpoint. You're the first person ever born. You know, you, you think you're the smartest man that ever lived. You know, were you listening in God's secret counsel? You know, the idea there is actually interesting because it's like Eliphaz is saying, do you have some sort of secret knowledge of something God knows or that he hadn't told us? You, you know, that's the kind of knowledge that the prophets had. And it's not so much that he's, 
you know, accusing Job of thinking that he's a prophet, but, but it, it's that idea. You, you think you have a word from God that, that we don't have. Do you think you have a monopoly on wisdom? What do you know that we don't? What do you understand that we don't? On our side are all the gray-haired men. <laughs> now, that's interesting. Um, there is that assumption that with, wis- you know, with age comes wisdom and also that the, the uh, accumulated wisdom of the community should have a lot of authority. And, and this is what Eliphaz is saying. All the old people agree with us. You know, I mean, this is the wisdom of the ages here. You know, this is the community consensus. And often you can trust the wisdom. I mean, often there is some sort of authority that goes with the the. the uh, uh, accumulated wisdom of a community. But at the same time, sometimes the whole community is wrong. You know, I mean, sometimes what all the old people think can be wrong. I, I mean, you know, and this is one of those situations. What everybody has always said and what everybody has always thought is now wrong. And it's proven wrong by Job's circumstances. But they can't see that. They can't even fathom that. And so on they go. Uh, this is really the irony here is rich. Is God's comfort too little for you? Is his gentle word not enough? Now, what's he talking about? Eliphaz here, verse 11. Is God's comfort too little for you? Well, what's he mean by God's comfort? Well, him. <laughs> like when Eliphaz says, is God's gentle word not enough for you? He thinks that he's speaking God's gentle word. He thinks that God's comfort is coming from him. You know, and that's why, you know, Job, when Job finally answers, he says, you guys are the worst. (laughs) You know, I mean, Eliphaz actually thinks that he is ministering God's comfort. You know, that that God's gentleness is flowing through him. And here he is, you know, beating down this suffering man like a sledgehammer. You know, the the self-awareness is missing here in in Eliphaz's, um, you know, incredible uh, incredible advice here. Uh, verses 11 to 16, if you're following closely what we've been reading, remember Eliphaz is the one who claimed to have this sort of nighttime vision, this divine revelation, which I said sounded a little bit more like what, you know, the Satan said in, in you know, chapter one, but, you know, I, I, I'm not saying Eliphaz is from Satan, but at any rate, Eliphaz kind of repeats this here. He just accused Job of thinking he has some sort of you know, special wisdom. And, and Eliphaz is the one who continues to sort of press this, you know, hey, I, I got this at night, you know, God showed me this vision. And it has to do with God's lack of trust for even the holy ones, like even the angels. And so he kind of repeats his, his whole spiel, you know, his, his, his wisdom, his vision that, that, that he uh, loves so much to talk about. And then uh, he goes into this long description of the fate of the wicked. Now, make no mistake, this is not even a thinly veiled description of what he thinks is Job's experience. He's trying to tell Job the story of what happened to him without saying Job's name. You know, but basically he talks about the wicked man who rides in pain, you know, years of trouble stored up for him. The sound of terror rings in his ears. Dares not go into darkness for fear will be murdered. Uh, it's this whole idea that, that the wicked are always in a precarious situation because one of these days God's going to bring them down. And wicked people are heavy and prosperous. Their waist bulge with fat, but, but they're going to be ruined. You know, I mean, this is Eliphaz here. Make no mistake. He's saying, Job, let me tell you what happened to you. You shook your fist at God, and so God got tired of your mess and brought you down. 
You will not escape the darkness. The burning sun going to wither your shoot. The breath of God will destroy you. I mean, you're going to be cut down in the prime of life. When Eliphaz describes the fate of the wicked, he is implying, Job, this is what happened to you. You shook your fist at God. You declared war on God, and so you got a war, you know? So follow that. Eliphaz tells the story trying to explain Job's suffering, and his explanation is, Job, you shook your fist at God. You were wicked, you were proud, and God brought you down. So Job begins to answer in chapter 16. He starts out by saying, you guys are the worst. What miserable comforters you are. You know, it's terrible. You're blowing hot air. No, you're blowing hot air. No, you're, <laughs> this is what they do. Job says, you're blowing hot air. What makes you keep on talking? Uh, notice verse four. I think it's interesting. I could say the same things if I were in, uh, if you were in my place. Um, I think Job realizes that previously in any other circumstance, had he not experienced what he's experiencing, he'd probably be saying the same thing they're saying. Isn't that interesting? Um, I can tell you all kinds of experiences in 27 years of ministry when uh, I, I did not have enough compassion on people because I'd never gone through what they were going through. My, my example would be parents who were sending their kids to college. You know, I remember one mama here at the church, and I loved her. She was my friend, but she sent her first son to college, and she went into this, you know, you know, month-long mourning. I mean, her eyes were sunk in. She cried all day long. She missed him. She, I'm just like, you know, what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> you know, he's just, he's only 20 miles up the road. He just went to college, you know, but... But then I sent my son to college. I thought I was going to die, you know. And I literally went back to that woman and said, "I am so sorry. I did not have the. I did not have compassion on you. I, I did not understand, you know, your pain." Uh, and, and this is the thing. I think Job is beginning to realize. I, th I think I would have said some of the same things you're saying. But I'm telling you, from where I am, from where I sit now, I, I see something different. I'm trying to convey it, but th they won't see it. So notice what, what Job does is interesting. Job tries to tell the story back. Uh, remember, Eliphaz describes it in a way where, you know, Job, you shook your fist at God. You assaulted God. And, and Job says, no, 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 no. God is assaulting me. You know, and, and, and this is, it's a terrible passage, really, because it's so, it comes from a place of pain, but Job doesn't, isn't necessarily describing the truth of the situation either, but it's just, you know, God hates me and tears me apart. He makes God sound like this ferocious lion who was ripping him limb from limb. Again, that, that, that's not the case either, uh, but, but recognize Job and his friends all together, they're trying to make sense of something that really doesn't fit into any of their theologies, and it's just simply the fact that sometimes innocent people suffer. I mean, you know, it's that simple. You and I can say it that simply, primarily because we got the book of Job, but they didn't have the book of Job. And, and even Job can't really make sense of it. He's never really allowed himself to ask the questions he's asking now. But the question is, is it possible that I don't deserve this, but it's happening anyway? You know, and, and if so, then, then what is my relationship to God? You know, and, and what is God's relationship to me? If, if, if this kind of suffering can just happen randomly or can it just happen, but it's not connected to what I deserve, you know, again, that's the question. Don't lose sight of that. And Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad, it's the question that they can't, they can't bring themselves to contemplate. 
that Job could be innocent, and yet this suffering is still happening. Because if that's true, then they've got to rethink everything they've ever been taught. And they're unwilling to do that. I mean, Eliphaz just said, this is what all the old people say. You know, it's what everybody's always said. But maybe everybody's always been wrong, you know. In the end, God's going God's to come. God's going to answer. But we got to hear from these guys, these windbags, for a little while longer. Call your attention to uh, these last verses in chapter 16. Uh, again, I love Job because Job's like, I just, need, I just need a mediator. I need somebody who can understand what it is to be me. It's somebody who can understand what it is to be God, who can bring us together. Well, Job, thank you, brother. Thank you for preaching the gospel. That's why Jesus comes. That's why the book of Hebrews says we need a great high priest who has suffered in all the ways we have suffered. You know, I mean, Job right here, he is just begging for the gospel. He's just begging for it. And basically what he says is, man, I hope I have a friend in heaven. Even now, my witness is in heaven, he says in verse 19. My advocate must be there because he's sure not down here, you know. I mean, Job tries to explain his situation over and over to his friends. They're terrible comforters. The least they could be is truthful witnesses. At least you can see what's happening to me, but they're not willing to see. They're not willing to consider what's happening to Job, that he could be an innocent man suffering. Job says, I don't have a friend on earth. I don't have anybody who can be a true witness down here. I hope when I get to heaven, I got a true witness up there. You know, oh my goodness, he needs the gospel. Don't you just want to preach the gospel to Job? I hope, I, I hope in the end I have a witness, a true friend in heaven, because Lord knows I'm not going to live long enough down here to have one. That's how we end in verse 22. I'm going to be going down that road from which you never return. I'm not going to find a friend down here. I sure hope I got a friend up there, you know, oh, Job, you do, you do. His name is Jesus. <laughs> His name is Jesus, man. Uh, pick up right here, y'all. Job's going to continue uh, chapter 17 and 18 for tomorrow. Isn't this good? Isn't it just good? Job chapter 17 and 18. Listen, have a good Thursday. Stay warm. Stay in the Word, and I'll see you in the morning. Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Did I say I love you guys? Uh, I really love you guys. Have a good day.